0: Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts. It is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's start this way. We do welcome Pastor Renzo back with us uh, again this Sunday, filling in for Pastor Jim uh, from what Melissa said they should be back home on Tuesday, so. They still continue to have a refreshing time and they're I think it's a Caribbean cruise that they're on. So But before he comes up, I'm going to read the second scripture passage, and it's in Second Kings chapter two, the first twelve verses. And it's talking of Elijah taken up to heaven. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elisha said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. 50 men of the company of prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me. What can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared And separated the two of them. And Elisha went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood. Whoops, I'm sorry, I'm reading a little too far but he went back and stood at the river, at the Jordan. Then he took the cloak and had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. May the Lord bless the reading
1: of his heart. word to our hearts this morning, and Pastor Renzo. Today, we're going to be speaking, um, I hope you have your finger ready, and we're going to We're going to go through a few passages of Scripture. So have your, uh, your, you know, something ready where you can at any moment go to a few passages of of Scripture. So why did I ask um, Deacon Grant to share that passage of Scripture? Well, it's here's the reason, because all of us have a, a mentor. You have a mentor. Who is your mentor? Pastor Jim Rennie. Pastor Jim Rennie is a great man of God on a bad day. On a bad day, that's a great pastor. And, and, and you know what he has? He has a great group of Christians that he, he has the privilege of pastoring. A pastor, or uh, uh, if you're a lady, God doesn't put into your life an older sister uh, by accident. All of us need mentors, and last week we spoke about how important it is to have mentors from um, Philippians. Today we are in a passage uh, in Thessalonians, and when I think about Thessalonians, you know what I think about? I think about, I want to introduce you to some of the greatest Christians in the history of the Christian church. And, And we will discover why they were great Christians and how we can emulate those great Christians. Uh, I, I want to just honor your pastor and first lady. I'm so glad, honored to be here, uh, having the opportunity to share the word of God with you today. Uh, but I want to I, I just mention to you that there, that God always answers prayers. When it comes to repentance, God always forgives us when we mean business with him. Amen? When we want to serve God and we rededicate our lives to the Lord, even as Solomon dedicated the temple of God for the Lord's service, when these missionaries dedicated themselves to God, God answered their prayer, amen? When you and I mean business with God, watch this, when you and I mean business with God, like a small group of 3,000 people at Asbury University for the last two weeks, have been on their face and on their knees crying out to God, repenting for having grown up in a Christian environment and not being what they should have been. There is a movement of the Holy Spirit around this nation in an answer to the prayers of ancient people, octagarians, people who are in their 80s and 90s have been crying out to God, for God to do something in America, and God is doing it, you know where God begins first? In the house of God. We we can't pray for the the country. We're the salt in the earth. Salt of the the earth and the light of the world is Christ. But Jesus said if if the salt is good for nothing, you know what's useful for? To be thrown out in the stinking path so the pigs can trample on it and has not um, the ungodly been trampling over the Christian testimony of our nation for the last hundred years. You know what? Uh, One famous pastor said, God has seen enough and had enough. And I believe when God's people get on their face and do business with God and say, Lord, I apologize for the type of Christian life I've been living From this day forward, I'm leaving my sin and I'm going hard after Christ. God answers the prayer of an 80, 90, 100-year-old, a 6-year-old. If you are serious about going on with Jesus, he will answer your prayer. He will do things in your life that are mind-blowing. And I want to encourage you by giving you legal evidence... In, in historical documented evidence of people who were demon worshipers people who were idol worshipers who turned from 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 Satan who turned from idols to serve the living God and these Christians are uh, the first church of Thessalonica so today's title of of the, of this message is Paul's outstanding example of Christian ministry I know what you might be thinking. Whenever Christians think of ministry, they think of the pastor. And that has been the problem with the church for the last 1,700 years. If you have served in the United States military, we honor you today and every day. But everyone who's in the military is a warrior, whether they're uh, in an airplane and, or whether they were like my son in the Coast Guard, what kind of a woman or a man jumps out of a fine helicopter to, to fall in the ocean, maybe full of sharks, to save a human being's life? But when you were in the military, you have left civilian life, and you, of your own free volition, have volunteered to serve your country, and even, yes, to be willing to give your life for the cause of freedom in, for your fellow citizens. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, especially as Baptists, can we get an amen? amen. Because do you know that President George Washington said, of all of the Christian sects in the, in the 13 colonies, percentage-wise, there was no other group of Christians that fought for the revolution more than the Baptists did. That's just historical fact. Thank God for the Presbyterians, the Congregationalists, the Anglicans, and everything in between. But there's something about Baptist history. The Baptists have suffered for centuries. And when it came to the Revolution, I was studying about Colrain, Massachusetts. and make, oh, By the way, I want to just honor my sisters from my church. They've driven here from, from Springfield. Um, sisters uh, Diane O'Connor. Denise O'Connor and Sister Linda Jordan, could you please stand up? They've come here. They've come here to honor you. They drove fifty miles to come to First Baptist Church of Colerain, and I—they've honored you and thank you for honoring them. And so, um, so where does that commitment come from? It comes. So a, a child learns commitment from a parent. Hey, a son learns commitment from a father. A, a, and in the Christian life, we learn commitment from those who have walked the Christian life longer than us. Amen? Amen. Older women who've, who've, who've borne uh, 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 the weight of, of, of battle, raising up children and grandchildren from, for Jesus and men. And, and so this is why Deacon Grant read to you about an Elijah- And Elisha. And the question in that passage was, where are the Elijah, where's the God of Elijah? A better question is, where are the Elijahs of God? God had a man called Elisha. And when the Lord was about ready to take Elijah home, he said, "You listen. They said, do you know your master's going to die today? Yeah, I know. And Elijah said, why don't you just stay here in this city? I've got more business to do somewhere else. And you know what Elisha said? Like, it reminded me of Ruth, when Ruth was with Naomi. Ruth said, I'm not going anywhere. Wherever you go, I go. When I first gave my life to Jesus, my pastor uh, was instrumental, and in, he witnessed to me, and I came to faith because, because he cared enough for my soul. You know what? In one of the psalms, the, the, the psalmist David says, "No man cared for my soul, but he cared for my soul." I've been saved for almost forty-six years because three Christians in a little Mickey Mouse company, of fourteen people, cared for my soul. I'm saved. My my wife is saved. My Many of my children are going to heaven. One man was, a, was an Elisha of God. You know what we need in this, in this church, in every church? We need a, a revival that comes from, watch this, emulating the commitment that a man sees in another man, a woman sees in another woman. Every one of us have an opportunity to be a blessing, an example—watch a life-changing example to a younger person. Can I get a witness? You never know what a word that you speak out of your mouth, a tear that comes from your eye, a, 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 a prayer, and a hand laid on a, 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 a someone of the same sex as you're praying. Don't men don't 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 touch the ladies, vice versa. When you pour out your heart to someone. That could change a young Christian's life forever. One moment in time, there was a song, One Moment in Time. One moment in time in the life of a human being can be forever changed by your input, love, prayer, time spent in someone's life. So, the title of the message is Paul's Outstanding Example of Christian Ministry. So the point is, all of us are in ministry. Now, the devil freaks out when he hears that because he has successfully, unfortunately, allowed the the deacons and and, and the pastors to bear the brunt of the ministry, whereas the body of Christ teaches us in 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12 that spiritual gifts are given to the entire body. And so God needs you, every one of you, to be plugged in to your local church. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you have, many of you have been so committed, you know, for many, many years. But, but, um, but you know what? We can never hear the truth enough. Amen? I mean, as long as you and I have breathing breath, you have a spiritual gift that Christ died to give you that nobody else might have. Uh, and some of you have gifts of helps, and some of you are prayer warriors, and some of you uh, uh, have gifts of mercy. But the church needs everyone, all hands on board or deck. Amen. And so um, I, I want to just share this with you. Uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, one of my favorite commentators, said of this passage that I'm going to read in First Thessalonians chapter 2 in a minute. We're going to go right to that passage right now. As you're turning into the New Testament, because the deacon Grant read from the Old Testament passage, please turn to First uh, Thessalonians 2. First Thessalonians 2. I want to give you something to think about after we read. 1 Thessalonians 2. Paul's ministry in Thessalonica. By the way, my former pastor was a missionary in Greece. Of all the cities, he was a missionary in Thessaloniki. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared, think, write that down, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives. We're not trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. Underline that. When you and I go through trouble... God is testing our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. For God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, uh, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for little children we love you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of god but our lives as well why because you had become so dear to us surely you remember brothers our toil and hardship we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you you are witnesses And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each one of you as a father. Remember, now, in earlier passages, he says, we dealt with you like a mother. Nobody loves you like a mother. Come on. Come here. Can we just say, you know, your father, you do something wrong, your mother says, if dad comes home, I tell him, when we all say, Mom, please, please don't tell Daddy. We loved you like a mother. Now it says, now we love you like a father. Deals with his own children. Encouraging, comforting, urging you to... Here's the, here's the, the thrust of the message. To live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually... Not, not just when things go good, continually, because when you received the word of God, when you heard from us, you, you accepted it not as the word of men, but you actually accepted it as the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators. Imitators, remember? And a, a disciple needs a, a, a mentor. You became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are, are in Christ Jesus You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displeased God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they might be saved. In this way, they always heap upon their sins uh, to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them. Them at last. Let's bow our heads and pray. Precious Father in heaven, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the Word of God, and we pray, Holy Spirit, you are the author of this book, and we ask you, Spirit of God, that you would help me, a frail human being, to rightly divide the Word, so that the intention that was was specific to these great Christians. We would understand that. Help me to unpack it. Help me to explain it. Help us to illustrate it. And help us, Lord, to uh, uh, most of all, apply this powerful, dynamic word. May it change our lives today. And may revival reign in this nation and throughout the earth. Anoint every pulpit and everyone who's preaching the scriptures today. In Christ's name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, hold... Put put something as a marker right there because we're going to go to Acts 17. As you're turning to Acts 17, I'm going to be sharing something with you. Dr. J. Vernon McGee said, the greatest sermon that a Christian will ever preach is by the life they live. The greatest sermon a Christian will ever preach is by the life he or she lives. Notice that Dr. J. Vernon McGee did not say preacher or pastor. The greatest sermon that a child of God will preach is by the life that you and I live. Amen? We all, we, we're, we're all in this together. Uh, all around the world, we find people who are hurting and in need of Christian love, compassion, and encouragement, without which they will never hear the gospel be born again and mature. God's word today gives us three methods found in the scriptures to implement in our lives so that every Christian can minister to every broken person and every part of this broken world. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, we have been charged Everyone, as a father, that you and I would walk worthy of God, who calls us into his kingdom and glory. God always honors us, watch this, when we emulate godly examples for the purpose of being a godly example to somebody else. Turn with me right now, if you wouldn't mind, to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 2. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2. So we know that the word of God is profitable for rebuke, for correction, for encouragement, so that the woman of God, how many ladies in the house? Eh? And the men of God will be thoroughly equipped to do the work of the ministry. Amen. The whole body of Christ is to minister. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others also. And the things that this church has heard from a great pastor named Jim Rennie, those same things this man of God has entrusted to you, you bring that to your street, to your neighborhood, to Colrain, to Shelburne, to wherever in God's name you live. Can I get an amen? Amen. There's an old-fashioned saying that causes demons and Satan to tremble, and it goes like this. Every Baptist is a missionary. My God, every Baptist, and it's not just Baptist, every Christian is a missionary. Now, when you hear that, it doesn't make sense because we have been conditioned for 1,700 years since Constantine to think the only people that can minister are the deacons and the pastors. Well, yes, they have a a divine call, and they need to be honored and appreciated. But they're living their life and serving use guys. That's how we say it in Italian in Providence, Rhode Island. I come from a church with a lot of Italians, the boat of them and use the guys. This whole church has been so well fed. How do I know? I've seen pastors' videos. I'm telling you, a great preacher on a bad day. You guys are fed steak till it's coming out of your gills for the purpose. That you will replicate Pastor Jim and the three deacons' lives. They're pouring into you so that you will receive and pour into your neighborhood. Elisha, where are the Elishas of God? There was one person that answered the call. Elisha said, When I grow up, I want to be like that man. When Jesus saved me, you know what I said? I want to grow up and be like Pastor Steve Graham. And then the Spirit of God said, I read this passage and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible said, this man had the unmitigated gall and audacity to say, I want a double portion of what you got. The only Way I could whistle that long is because I took a sip of water. It was, listen, do you know the Jews are still waiting for Elijah to come back? There were tremendous prophets, but nobody like Elijah except John the Baptist, Jesus said. But Elijah said, You've had such an impact on my life. I want double the power of God in my life that God has given you. That is bold faith. Amen? Listen, if you're a grandmother and you got granddaughters or or you have, you know, little girls in your life, listen, I'm praying that they look at your life and your faith and what you've weathered and how you've stayed with the stuff. You're like a Timex watch. You took a beating and you keep on ticking. Now, nobody knows what that means unless you grew up in the 60s. But how many of us have taken a whooping, and by God's grace, we're still, we're still standing? Amen? Listen, what, 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 I said this to my son, who's now in, he's in three years of incredible revival. My wife says, for God's sake, why did it take so, so many years for him to get set on fire for Christ? Don't raise your hand, because I know that every Christian family probably says the same thing. But, but you know what we are living to be examples Elijah was an example to Elisha God gives Elisha what he asked for a double portion and so now so Paul comes to Philip uh, to Philippi last week's sermon was on the Philippians right you know what happens earthquake so he runs for his life southwestward to this city called the Thessalonians. Now, you may wonder in your Christian life, why, did I, why am I going through the troubles? Why am I going through the troubles, the stress, the strain, and the struggle? Paul was beaten almost to death, thrown into prison. You think you and I have problems. I've never been thrown in prison. Have you? He could have just said, you know what, Jesus, I'm done with this call. Okay? Find somebody else. But instead, filled with the Spirit, he goes southwestward, to Thessalonica. So let's find out what happens in, in Thessalonica. Let's go to Acts 17. I'm going to be reading very quickly. I come from Springfield. I come from the big city. I can chew gum and, and, and walk at the same time. In Thessalonica, when they, chapter 17, verse 1, giving you a historical background before we break the message down. When they passed through Amphip- Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Oh, oh. Here's 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 a born again Jew ready to preach Christ. Listen, have you ever thought to yourself, self, I know that the spirit is telling me to talk to my neighbor about Jesus, but I'm I'm scared. I'm frightened. Okay. Let's let's just keep that thought in your back pocket for a minute. So he goes in there and he he, he teaches in the synagogue three Sabbath days. 15 Days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. This is why we need to know our Bible, because we need to reason with people from the scriptures. He explained and proved that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead, Isaiah 53, and many other passages. I'm and he said, This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. And he said, Some of the Jews were persuaded. Listen, when you're frightened to share the gospel with people. Do you know what's what's at stake in your neighborhood? We are the people in your neighborhood. We're in your neighborhood. And I I, I did the study. There's 1,160 people in Coleraine and in Shelburne. There's about 5,000 precious souls here. When the Spirit says go, we have to go. Listen, even if we don't want to go, even if we get thrown in prison, even if we get almost beaten to death, if we mean business with God, as a Christian, we're going to go when we don't want to go. I don't want to go. I I don't want to go. That's That's how I used to say it to my mom. I don't want to go. You're going to the bathroom. I remember when I was a little kid. You're going to the bathroom. Go. You know what? People are dying every day by the millions. Not a couple, millions of people all over the earth are dying, going to a Christless eternity. And we have the cure. We have the gospel, amen? But when you bring the gospel, all hell is going to break loose against you. But you got to press through the asteroid belt to come through the other side. And so, because why? Because if we hold the gospel and don't do what we're told, the lives of people in our neighborhood will go to a Christless eternity because we were chicken. We were crazy about everything else but the gospel. Paul had a decision to make. He knew he was going to be beaten, beaten like a a drum. But here's what happened. Jews get saved and a large number of Greeks and a ton of women. They just weren't women. They were prominent women. They were the business women of Thessaloniki. You, you see one woman get saved, you know what happens? That one woman, she talks to the other ladies. Listen, you may not be Italian, you may not be an extrovert. I don't, I've never met a woman that doesn't talk. And I don't mean that in a, in a disrespectful way. Women network. They can do six things at the same time, and men can only do one thing, and that's and we, two things and we freak out. Women have networks. These women networked the gospel in Thessalonians. How successful were these women? Well, here's what the women did. The Bible says, uh, we're, we're, we're going to go uh, right down to, we're going to go to now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's talk about these small, this, this group of women these Gentiles and Jews, they're the minority, you may think, you know what, pastor? I've heard this before, man. This is this is old. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll get to that passage in, in, a, in a minute. It, it's in Thessalonians where it says, from out of you sounded the whole gospel to Greece. So here's this church of Jews, Gentiles, a lot of women, very prominent, business women, women with money, women with influence. Fluence. It says from the Bible that the gospel sounded forth throughout all Greece from this one church. There wasn't twenty churches in Thessalonica. One church. They turned from idols to serve the living God. You know what happened in that one famous church? That church is so famous that today in Colrain, Massachusetts, we're talking about those women. And those Jews and those Gentiles that got saved, Amen. God honored them with with, with an epistle, two epistles. Now, let's think about let's think about going back to this the original passage. And we're going to exegete it in a moment. First Thessalonians chapter two. I wanted you to understand this is a great group of Christians, and and the first point we want to think about is the message. The message is Paul uh, loved these people enough to proclaim the gospel, and we need to do the same. Thank God for a wonderful church like this that supports be- uh, missionaries around the world. I, 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 sisters from Greater from, from, uh, Redemption Gate Mission Society, we can applaud this church, amen? These people put their money where their mouth is, and, and they're taking care of people to preach the gospel, and that's so commendable. But we as individual Christians, we have a mission and we are successful when we we tell someone about Jesus despite persecution. It reminds me of the two German Moravians. In the 1700s, there were two brothers that felt so bad about the African slave trade that they got on a boat in Hamburg, Germany, and other brothers and sisters from the, the, the church traveled, you know, almost 100 miles and they wept. Now, listen, it's understandable for them to weep because you know why? They would never see them again. Th- these missionaries, they said, Well, we've come to saving faith because you told me about Jesus. But what about these Africans who are slaves? They intentionally, watch this, they made themselves slaves so they could preach the gospel in the Caribbean. All right, you and you. I'm just saying. And I can't hand out a Gospel of John. I can't go. I can't go door to door. And just say, you know what? I, like when I, when I hand out, the, I always write down. I'm giving this to you because when I was a teenager, and I write it down. I, I, I had a car accident at 14. You know, I I I, write down, I thought I was going to live forever, and then my head went through a windshield. God kept me alive to tell you. There's a place in heaven for you if you'll turn from your sins. That doesn't cost me any money. This is shipped for free. But it does nothing and no good unless I give. I'm a beggar showing a starving person where the bread is. As a matter of fact, I'm giving them the bread of life. Amen? And so that's our privilege, to give the bread of life. The second point uh, that we find in verses 3 and 6, in verses 3, and remember in verse uh, 2 it says we dare to tell you the gospel in in spite of strong opposition. The reason I say that to you is that when you have fear about sharing your faith, have you ever been beaten up for it? Have you ever been flogged and thrown in prison? Come on. This is the God-blessed United States of America. There's no persecution here. For I'm saying that not to make you feel guilty. I'm saying that to encourage you. Dare to be a Daniel Dare to be a Deborah. Open your mouth. Give someone a gospel tract for, for, for their sake and God's glory. Share, share the gospel. Now, he did that because he had a motive. The motive is found in verse 3 through 6. He said, God is testing our hearts. He says, you know what? We're doing this not because we want to, uh, you know, get praise from any, anybody. We have been approved By God. In verse uh, 4, we have been approved by God, and God tests our hearts. And so we have a motive. Our motive is to serve God because we're men of integrity. Christians who share their faith, watch this. When you share your faith, there's someone in the church younger than you that's watching you. Now, some of you know the Williams family. They're famous for the gospel in, in, in this county, aren't they? Byrne Williams is a pastor. Terry Williams was the greatest. Listen, you got great deacons in this church. Can, can you give God praise for that? Amen? Amen? Well, in our church, in Pioneer Valley Baptist Church, we had Terry Williams. You talk about a deacon. But anyways, I didn't know what I was doing. I just got saved. I'm a baby Christian. I haven't been to Bible college. All I know is I'm not in hell. Thank you, Jesus. And I, And I just, I said, Terry, we're going out and we're going we're gonna to share the gospel. He had never done it before. He says, okay, um, what do we do? He says, we're going to go downtown Springfield. We're going to go to a rock concert. It's a little crowd. There's going to be about 9,000 people. They may throw snowballs at us, but don't worry about it. We're going to get through this. He says, this is fascinating. So I took him to that. We, 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 we shared the gospel with Roman Catholic priests. We, we, we witnessed in Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Halls. We went everywhere sharing the gospel because I didn't, I was not, I didn't know enough to be afraid. All I knew is was I wasn't in hell and Jesus saved my soul. Can I get an amen? amen. And you know, listen to me. He was older than me, but he told me these words. You were a mentor to me. I became a missionary to the Philippines because I saw you nuts for Jesus on the street preaching the gospel. You were younger in the Lord than me. I'm not saying this to boast. I'm boasting in Jesus. I'm a nobody. I know I'm a nobody. But somebody who was older than me in the faith, I have two deacons from two different churches who became missionaries because they said, we saw Christ in you. You were a missionary to Springfield, Massachusetts. I saw them throw, throw, throw snowballs at you, and you kept preaching the gospel. I saw a bunch of unsaved guys surround you and said, We're not going to let anybody hurt you. And it had an impact on their life. I'm telling you that sharing the gospel is not optional. If you have breath in your lungs, you've been given that breath to tell people about Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Can somebody really mean it? Thank you. He had a message to preach. He had a motive that was pure because of integrity. And he did his work for free. I've been a bivocational preacher since 1984. Um, I'm, I'm not in the ministry because of money. I've really made nothing, but, but you know what? It's a privilege. I get a privilege to tell people that God loves them and He wants them in heaven more than we want to get there. ain't it great. And you know what? He had a message to preach, a motive that drew uh, motive that drew him. But his manner of life was amazing. In verse seven through twelve, let's look at the manner of life. It says there in verse uh, 7 as apostles we could have been a burden to you but we were gentle we loved you we 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 treated we honored you we we esteemed you be, you know better than ourselves and you know what we were willing to work work so as not to be a burden to you you know what the great thing is about christianity all throughout christianity m- men have been um, bivocational Asbury is experiencing a a um a revival. Pastor Asbury was the was the famous circuit rider preacher that traveled all over the you know past the Appalachian Mountains, and he was so poor he couldn't afford to pay attention. He had to he had to know how to how to eat berries. He just trusted God. You know what's amazing about Baptist Christianity as you study. Baptist history, and I have studied it in Rhode Island as a Baptist minister, most Baptist pastors were lawyers, uh, farmers, uh, doctors, and they never got paid because that's how, because there was not enough money to pay them. Nevertheless, like the apostle, like Silas, they worked with their own hands because the people that they were ministering were very dear. They weren't in the ministry for the for money. They were in the ministry for for the love of people, boys and girls, all over the world. There are Baptist churches that were started by 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 business women and businessmen who preached the gospel, but they never got paid. There are churches now; they're huge buildings, ten thousand people. Those churches were not built by pastors that even went to Bible college. They were men filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? If God did that with them, what can God do with us? Lastly, the fourth ingredient of what makes uh, Paul's ministry excellent and what can make our ministry excellent is the method of glorifying God. Paul's example must be emulated today. I want to share with you something please turn to Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 and when you get there, say amen. As you're turning to that passage, I want to I share with you the history of how Christian men and women became missionaries and sent missionaries around the world. Listen, the reason there are missionaries around the world and thank God for the missionaries that are here, amen? What a blessing they are. You know, But they wouldn't be able to go unless there were Christians living in different countries, speaking different languages, different colors, different tribes. You have to be a missionary in your own backyard before you even send out a missionary. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know who the real missionary is? We are the missionaries. We are God's daughters. We are God's sons redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Who's the first missionary? He didn't make it to his other birthday. His name was Abel. Speaking the truth, cost him his life. They glorified God. The Moravians glorified God. The Methodists, the Waldensians, every sect of Christianity has glorified God by telling their neighbors about God. And you know where they learned the example from? Jesus the apostles and the Thessalonians—they forsook idols. Do you know what it means for people to forsake the, the religion they're in? In the ten forty window, they will take your. Uh, how do I say this? They'll some part of your anatomy will be missing. For for for, I'm studying Italian. Baptist and Pentecostal history, my forefathers and foremothers, they were thrown out of their homes. You you know what Italians are like? Volatile people. You you what? You're not going to be a anymore? Watch this. You're nothing to me. You're out of the family. In the early 1900s, Tens of thousands of Italians in Chicago, Providence, Boston, all over the Northeast, they lost their families over the gospel, and they never saw them come back. To there was no it's over. It cost everything to be a Christian. And so in Romans chapter, and this is our last passage and we're coming to a close, in Romans chapter 12, Verses one and two. Uh, what what separates the men from the boys? What separates the girls and the women? What causes someone to go from fear of sharing their faith to be like Elisha saying, I want a double portion of what Pastor Rennie has. I, I don't want to be like my pastor. I want to be, I want to exceed my pastor. You know what? That's the pastor's dream for everyone in their local church to be to get a double portion of what the pastor and his wife has. Amen? There's no jealousy. They won't be able to sleep at night. They'll be so excited. Well, Romans chapter 12 says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, think about what God's done saving your soul, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world. Be transformed By the renewing of your mind, you'll be able to test and approve God's will and perfect will in your life. I want to close with this. In Arizona, there is a tree. And this tree is a very special tree. It is called a saguaro. In Saguaro National Park in Tucson, Arizona, there are all these plants called saguaros. And after they've been destroyed by mining and all sorts of 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 of, of work building apartments, they found out that the only way these saguaro uh, plants could live is they right next to them are nursing plants like palo verde or mesquite trees. And these these nursing plants they're huge. They shade over this little. For 20 to 30 years. My gosh. When you're a mentor, when you're an old man, an old woman, and you're mentoring someone, it might, you might be mentoring that person 20, 30 years. Pastor, 20, 30 years? Are you kidding me? Is it necessary to help people that long? Well, these plants all died because the nursing plants died we all recognize the need for special care for young people in our family, especially new Christians. The great encourager, the Apostle Paul, said we were gentle among you. And we all need people like nurse plants, people that come beside us to weather the storm, to help us in the critical time of beginning to think and live a radically new Christian life. I'll leave you with this last poem. A babe in Christ grows strong and true, is helped to know God's will to do when we extend a loving hand and kindly love without demand. If you are mature in the faith, please help others mature in the faith. So let's live, share, and reach everyone with Jesus. Let's live a life with no sinful ulterior motives. Let's live a life sacrificing for the people of God as you serve God. And let's every day live like the Apostle Paul and be an example to other people. I think of that poem, that song, take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love at the impulse of thy love. Let's bow. Father, we we worship you. Let those who trust the Lord be like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. May the same Lord establish you in, in the gospel so that all peoples might believe and obey him who is the only wise God, to the glory, to to God the Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.